Welcome to the Travel Pulse podcast. I'm your host, Eric Bowman, the executive editor of TravelPulse.com. Today is Tuesday, April 13th. Happy Travel Tuesday, everyone. Coming up on the show today, as we always do, we'll talk what's trending in the travel industry, including major cruise news once again, and also some good news around reopenings. Joining me on the show today is David Hartman, luxury travel advisor with Fantastic Endeavors. David, welcome to the show. Eric, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. I, I was on David's YouTube travel show uh, about a month ago, so I'm glad to have David finally on the Travel Pulse podcast here. Happy to be here and always love talking about travel, and you made a fantastic appearance on my show. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. So uh, David and I are going to discuss vaccine passports for travel later up on the show, but first, let's dive into what's trending in the world of travel. We begin with cruise news. Last week, uh, the CDC said cruises may happen by midsummer. A couple of days later, the U.S. Department of Transportation also said cruising could resume this summer. Keywords there are may and could, so nothing is definite yet, uh, which, you know, as we've seen in the cruise industry, things have been pushed back and pushed back, and nothing has been definite for quite some time now, unfortunately. So uh, since there is nothing definite, that has led to the Florida governor suing the CDC. Much of the surprise, though, he did threaten it uh, a couple weeks ago and has come through on that threat. Uh, the cruise industry reacted with statements to Travel Pulse. Shout out to uh, Teresa Norton, our cruise editor and editor-in-chief of the Agent at Home magazine. Uh, she reached out and got a bunch of statements from cruise lines, and essentially all the major lines said that they're aware of the lawsuit, but their focus is on working with the CDC to try and get cruising back with Royal Caribbean saying, quote, we strongly believe that the cruise industry can be part of President Biden's stated goal for society to reopen by July 4th, end quote. So, David, your thoughts here? Do you think there'll be any ocean cruising uh, out of U.S. ports this summer? Great question. My first instinct is no, not this summer. As you know, cruises are sailing from other ports, Bermuda, St. Martin, Nassau, the UK now. As far as Florida's fight with the CDC and the cruise line's fight with the CDC, it's difficult. I think the first cruises are going to sail probably early fall from U.S. ports. And I believe it's going to take these cruise lines that much time to ramp up once they get the okay. I believe they know this current fight is futile and they know that this lawsuit by Florida is politicking and they're focused now on other ports outside the U.S. So there'll be some ramp up time once they are approved. Yeah, it's certainly interesting to see all this shake out and continue for as long as it has. Um, I do have high hopes that there'll be cruising by July 4th. I mean, it's kind of, you know, you could say hypocritical in terms of how things are being treated. And and we put up some recent columns too. First, I guess a column was uh, from Stephen Scott, who's been on the podcast before. And he said that we need to come together as a cruise industry. And I do agree with that. You know, when you kind of put, put things aside and let's focus on what can be done to get the cruising going this summer. And then we also had uh, Rich Tomaselli, our writer, put a, a piece up pondering, you know, is the cruise industry paying for past sins here? Is, is this unfair treatment to the cruise industry? So do you think there's a bit of unfair treatment at all, um, David? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. The, the double standard right now in the industry is almost laughable. CDC is not involved in any of the form of travel right now, but it is all over cruising. And it's beyond the point where it even makes sense. For example, it's one thing that there was no cruises and no proof of cruising safely. But now we have enough data set from Europe with over 400,000 people traveled in a total of 60 cases, something I read on Travel Pulse, that's, that's a good indication that cruises under this current format can sail safely. And the U.S. cruisers are even saying, hey, we're going to go 100% vaccinated, which wasn't even a rule on the cruises I just mentioned in Europe. 
So there is a track record. There is a sense of caution that makes cruises, to me, Peter Greenberg said this, the safest form of travel because there'll be 100% compliance to all rules. And now the CDC is, I think, just afraid of bad PR. That happened a year ago. They need to get over it. And then I don't know what else is going on. It's, I do, for many times in my show, fought their legitimacy, but they are legitimate. They have the right. It's under the Public Health Act of 1944. And, and this cruise lines know that, but it's time for them to say, treat all these travel verticals fairly. And they're not doing that right now. Absolutely. Yeah, we can all go jump on a plane and cram inside, you know, United and American and Southwest and all these airlines that aren't blocking middle seats anymore. Delta will stop blocking middle seats at the end of April here. So we can all jump in and planes and walk around each other in airports. And they don't have quite the strict set of rules that we know that cruise lines are going to have to abide by. So yeah, it, again, you know, with you, you said with the, the PR thing, I think that that is a factor at play as they don't want the negative press, but cruise lines can't afford to have that. And I think that's why they're going to work and do their due diligence to make sure that, you know, everything is safe and secure. And again, as you said too, we have, we have the data that backs that up. Europe and Asia has a lot of cruises have come out of Singapore and they've been doing fine over there uh, with no crazy outbreaks that have, you know, taken the cruise industry by storm, which, you know, the CDC would be all over that if that was a negative press over there uh, in other uh, countries, but it's not. So I do think it's a bit unfair and hopefully they will be able to sail out this summer, but only time will tell. Yes. And my comments, conservative side on the fall, just to make everyone set expectations. But I will say the other fact is the CDC is completely ignoring the speed of rollout of vaccines in this country. It's completely being ignored. Like, fine. Well, look at the numbers. Say within one month, two months, we're going to have, you know, 50% of the U.S. vaccinated that's not even being discussed by the CDC. It's all about this vague CSO, conditioned sailing order, that has not even been disclosed what that includes. And that's the cruise line frustration. It's not like they've outlined a return to sailing that they can't meet. They haven't even outlined the full policy. And the latest release was very technical and didn't really mean to anything. And I just chose to show you that they're slowly giving them information on purpose to drag this out to November, which I, I think is going to happen sooner. And I'm hoping for early September U.S. cruises. But, you know, all this current pressure now will help speed it up. And hopefully you're right that hopefully it's by late summer. July 4th, it's a bit optimistic, but something's going to give here. There's too much pressure on the CDC now. Something's going to give some. I agree. So listeners out there, email podcast at travelpulse.com. Let me know your thoughts on the whole cruise situation. It does seem like we have uh, crazy big cruise news every single week now. Um, so far this week, nothing major. A lot of it was kind of Thursday and Friday of last week, but uh, we'll, we'll see as the week goes on. Make sure you you know head over to travelpulse.com for all your cruise needs. Sign up for our newsletter as well. Um, to, you can stay up to date on all of that and stay up to date on reopening news too, which we have some good reopening news. We'll start with some theme park stuff. Disneyland is set to reopen. They set entry rules and tickets are on sale starting April 15th. That's later this week uh, for their April 30th reopening. Disney World updated its mask policy so you can now take photos with your mask on. Uh, we also got news last week that Disneyland's Adventures Campus will open up um, um, June 4th, which is pretty exciting. Uh, Universal's new Jurassic Park roller coaster will uh, down in, in Florida will open up in, on June 10th. So lots of theme park stuff, lots of new stuff coming to Disney parks as well uh, and resorts around the world too, not just uh, Florida and California there. So a lot of excitement. We have that up on our, our front page on Travel Pulse right now if you're interested in Disney stuff. But uh, David, I, just, I know you're a big Disney fan and you frequent Disney 
regularly and a big theme park fan. So how excited are you for all of this in the, the theme park world? I'm very excited. I've grown up on Walt Disney World. I understand the importance and significance of Disneyland, not just to Disney's bottom line being closed over a year, but to the theme park fans in general. I mean, that is a real locals park and people there have not seen the theme park anywhere in California since all the start in over a year. It's critical. And the fact they then roll out the Disneyland potential expansion, which is a pipe dream way in the future, but it's exciting. But the more exciting thing is because we know it's ready because the actual timeline was last summer, believe it or not. Avengers Campus is huge. Because of an agreement with Marvel, we can't have true Marvel theme park attractions east of the Mississippi. So this is very critical to Marvel fans that finally have a theme park, Disney-based Imagineer area to go to is huge. And it looks amazing. I mean, I can't wait to go there myself. Yeah, I'm really excited for it. They've got to have a, a Spider-Man ride, which, you know, if you're familiar with theme park stuff, you know that there's Spider-Man over at uh, Islands of Adventure and Florida and everything with, with Universal. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think this will give a boost to uh, Disneyland in California there because Marvel is massive around the globe and it's going to entice a lot of people to want to check it out and all the new features they have and they have pimps uh, test kitchen which is going to have like small and large food too which is pretty cool and uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that i know california uh, and disneyland um, is going to be open to california residents only at its first opening uh, when it does open up on april 30th so um, i live in georgia so i won't be obviously out there um, anytime soon i'm hoping that the rules kind of change by june 4th because i'd love to be there for the opening of avengers campus but uh, we did find out last week that California's reopening date, um, they're, they're, you can go to California, obviously, but things are restricted and, and all that stuff. But they're lifting all restrictions by June 15th in California. So I know that'll be huge. And it may only be, you know, California residents only on that initial Avengers Campus uh, opening date for June 4th. We'll have to wait and see on that. But I'm keeping my fingers crossed and, and you know, praying for high hopes that they adjust that rule for for theme parks because um, I would book my ticket and get right out there. I'm ready to go. And keep in mind for Disneyland fans, Rise Resistance, which you have rode, correct? Yes, I did that at Disney World, yeah. Rise Resistance was only open for two months before Disneyland shut down last year. So most people in Southern California and California, Disneyland fans have not even rode Rise Resistance if they, unless they have come to Disney World. So that's a huge draw when it first opens. And then you got Avengers Campus coming. It's going to be quite amazing to see the buzz around Disneyland for the next few months. Absolutely. I think that they'll be reaching their um, low. They're starting out with low capacity levels. So I think they'll be reaching that um, quite frequently until, you know, they can expand upon uh, the, the capacity levels and hopefully, you know, before too long, be able to open up at the full 100%, which we don't know when any of that stuff is going to happen for theme parks um, or and travel in general. So um, other elsewhere around the world for reopening stuff, we have Thailand set reopen plans for vaccinated travelers to July 1st. Vaccinated travelers can visit uh, Phuket without quarantining. So that's great there. And also Tahiti will reopen international travel on May 1st. There's some other places that we've talked about previously on the shows opening up in May. I know Greece is, um, Iceland is also for uh, vaccinated travelers. You can go and pass quarantine. So a lot of things opening up and, and gearing towards some vaccinated travelers too. And, um, loosening restrictions. So the, the, the light at the end of the tunnel is coming, which is good. Uh, so David, any international destinations that you're looking forward to visiting the most once restrictions are lifted? Are, are there any particular places standing out with your clients right now? 
Great question. For me personally, I just want to get on a cruise ship. Yeah. Ideally from the US. But at this point, I'm looking at like the Bermuda cruises they're doing, Royal Caribbean, once in the Bahamas. You know, if I have to fly internationally, I, you know, I may do that sooner than later if this delay keeps dragging on. But I just want to go on a cruise internationally myself. There's nothing on my short term bucket list that I was planning on going to. As far as my clients go, my clients are ready to go anywhere they want, but a lot of them are booking uh, Europe. They are booking exotics like Galapagos and Iceland. And I think a lot of my clients are just rebooking things they planned last year, knowing that you know 2022, this will all be behind us. There's every indicator this will all be behind us in 2022. No suppliers hold them back on itineraries, no suppliers. They are offering flexibility, which is great. But there's no, nothing, no limitation out there going beyond 2021. So looking ahead in the long term, I think every destination is available except for Burma because <laughs> of recent troubles there. I, I will not be going to Burma anytime soon. But overall, in the short term, close to home travel has been a lot, a lot of theme park vacations in Orlando. And then I have had clients go to Mexico quite a bit short term. That, that has continued. Gotcha. Yeah, Mexico is definitely a popular trending destination. We'll have a story up um, on firsthand experience on traveling, you know, to Mexico City and to the beach as well. So from the city to the beach, if you want to learn a little bit more about what Mexico travels like, uh, that'll be coming up um, on Travel Pulse later this week, uh, probably later today. Today's Tuesday. Um, so yeah, that's it's a definite trending destination because of the the lack of restrictions compared to elsewhere around the world. So we obviously seen Mexico being a big destination. Uh, myself, I'm looking forward to. Uh, I would love to get out to Thailand. That's kind of been on my list. And same with Australia and New Zealand. Those have kind of been high up on my list as far as places I haven't been to yet internationally that I'd love to get to. Um, but yeah, going back on kind of what you said there with your clients is like the rebookings is that is a big trend is kind of that revenge travel and looking forward to getting to those places that they thought they were going to get to in 2020. And myself included in that list is uh, Hawaii. I was supposed to go in 2020, but it didn't work out. And uh, now I'm uh, fingers crossed everything will work out and I'll be going in May, uh, at the end of May to check that out. So I'm looking forward to that um, experience as well. I know some people too are using some of that rebooking money uh, to, to rebook. They're you know using their credits and things like that. But for other trips, they are using uh, stimulus payments for travel. We did, uh, Claudette Covey did a great feature report on Travel Pulse to look at are Americans using stimulus checks for travel was the headline, and we talked to multiple travel advisors about that, and and several of them did confirm that they're seeing some clients uh, using the stimulus pay, uh, payments for travel, using uh, people taking stimcations was a, a coin, a travel term, a new travel term coined there by one of the advisors, and some of them even going with their friends and not their children as they've been stuck in the house with their kids for <laughs> what seems like ever now and uh, venturing out and traveling with friends and, and leaving the kids with uh, grandma and grandpa is what uh, some some advisors reporting. So, David, on your end, are you seeing any? Are you seeing any of this with your clients? It's an interesting trend, and, and I did read up in the article you sent me, and I've seen that before. I have not seen that with my clients as something that they've mentioned. Now, is it happening? It could be. I more see the trend. I'm now seeing the trend with my clients that they want to go somewhere, and they're going to find a way to find the money. They're going to go, and then you got a lot of pent up demand and mostly savings no one traveled at all last summer. That's their main fund of resource. Now, the stimulus give you the over-the-top reason to decide? Definitely. But my clients, it's more like they're ready to go somewhere 
and they haven't spent money on travel in so long. My own, some of my own agents within my agency are like, they plan three trips and the husband's like, what are you doing? He says, I, I, I got to get back. I got to catch up. So there's that revenge travel, but there's also, I see it more as a catch up and no one wants to miss a second summer of travel, which we are doing in mostly regions like Alaska. In some ways, Hawaii, maybe you can get it out there, but as you're going to find out, it's, it's not easy. In some cases, some places in Europe, uh, I have an Oktoberfest trip planned from last year, this year, and we're moving it out again to Munich in 2022 because we don't want to go without the full experience. But my friends are planning two other trips instead, closer to home. Yeah, I mean, that people do want the full experience, so that is going to shape the way that they kind of structure their travel plans, for, especially for this summer, uh, for, for 2021. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm intrigued to see, you know, kind of what the, the full, especially TSA numbers. I know that they've been trending up well too in the spring here, but I'm very intrigued to see what that's going to look like this summer. I mean, I, I think there's going to be massive amounts of people traveling next summer, but this summer particularly, I think we'll see still some people on the roads and, uh, some people flying and everything. If you are out there and you're going driving, just be cautious of, uh, a lot more RVs out on the road, as I noticed on my recent uh, road trips um, this spring so far. Um, and my, my in-laws, too, have <laughs> mentioned it as well. And they got stuck behind one RV that was going real slow. And um, he, my father-in-law was quite upset about RVs. And we had a good long discussion about um, RVs and then their trending and, and all that and stuff. So uh, just be cautious of that if you are going to go out on the road and travel. RVs are everywhere you go. And then I live in Florida and we're seeing an increase in vehicles of all types down here. It's been very busy here since mid-February, here in the Florida Keys and in Florida in general. We've been the place to vacation since uh, the winter began. Yeah, it really has been kind of America's escape is uh, to, to get out to Florida. Um, if you have been out to Florida at all recently, I'd love to know your experience. Podcast at TravelPulse.com is the email to reach out. That pretty much wraps up what's trending um, in travel this past week. Any additional thoughts, you know, hit me up on, on the email. I'd love to discuss travel with you as well. So now David and I are going to jump into the theme of this week's show, which is should there be a vaccine passport? So we had a recent study commissioned by Amadeus and delivered by CensusWide that found digital health passports are popular with global travelers. The research showed that 91% of those polled said that they would be comfortable using a digital health passport for future trips. And if we go back to January, the World Travel and Tourism Council, they said that they were against mandatory COVID-19 vaccines and vaccine passport. Um, they didn't think that there should be a mandatory one in place for travel. However, like a couple of weeks later, the World Tourism uh, Organization said that there should be a vaccine passport. So kind of conflicting stuff on the global scale of different tourism um, organizations there. Uh, we do know that there are multiple companies working on these digital health passports, and it's likely some places around the world will require you to show proof of being vaccinated before you enter the country. Nothing is kind of set in stone there. There's a lot of, uh, I guess, experimenting is and planning is what they're going for, and uh, a lot of the focus right now is still on testing, as it should be. But as we get you know a few months out and a few months into summer and into fall, what is that kind of stuff going to look like? So, David, I want to know your thoughts from a travel advisory perspective what do you think? Should there be a vaccine passport for travel? What are you hearing from clients regarding vaccine passports? Great question. Fairly new topic. My clients, most of my clients I've spoken to that comes up with what's required. They'll do what it takes, whatever it is. COVID test, uh, proof of vaccine, vaccine passport. The issue with the question is, should there be a vaccine passport? The question should be to the traveler, what would allow me to travel seamlessly between countries the next one year, two years, 
because especially Europe, you're going to country hop. And right now there's different regulations going on based on their impacts of COVID. So forget what it's called, but what would allow me to travel seamlessly? You know, and who was going to administer that? That needs to be discussion. And then this whole talk in the articles about health data, privacy, so on and so forth, that can all be worked out. But to the traveler, and I put myself in their shoes because I'm going to have a traveler myself, is what could help me go from country to country to country with this same document? Whether it's called a vaccine passport, a digital vaccination proof, it's got to be ubiquitous or the traveler is going to get very annoyed and not go to your country. That's got to be the focus of this topic is whether who does it, whether you, what you call it, it needs to be seamless for the traveler. And it's going to be required. We've already seen it. How many countries have you seen on Travel Pulse? Every day I read and more and more countries are requiring a vaccination. It's just a matter of how do we make it uniform for the country so it's the same document. Absolutely. I'm with you there, David. I do think it has to be kind of uniform and across the board. I do know Europe is planning a digital like green uh, digital health green pass, I believe something like that uh, for for the residents for you know going into restaurants and businesses and, and things like that. Uh, Florida over here in the states, Florida and Texas governors are banning the possible um, vaccine passports, and these are more for like resident stuff. It's not necessarily for travel, but it does have an impact, I think, on travel and and the grand scheme of of, of all of that stuff because you're going to have people visiting, and eventually you know the uh, the borders are going to open up and people from other countries can fly into Florida. We especially Florida, we know is a is a huge place for international travel too. So uh, New York New York though plans to actually create one. Their pass is going to be kind of a version of IBM's digital health pass and it would make COVID-19 vaccination or test results data presentable without the need to share any other personal or medical information, which I think is is key there because a lot of people are concerned about privacy and their data and all their information sure. and, and stuff. So, uh, and then just this past week, uh, Hawaii governor came out and gave his approval for a vaccine exemption program for visitors to Hawaii and that could possibly start in May. So that's kind of, which is, you know, not too far away right now, you know, so that that is going to be something to watch play out. You know, how do you, th- how do you think U.S. destinations should handle these, David? It's going to be difficult the next few months as this plays out, especially in the political theater already, Texas and Florida. The issue with Texas and Florida is fine. You don't need it to get in the airport, but you're going to need it to get off the plane no matter where you're going if you're going international. So in the end, you're still going to need this document, whatever you're going to call it. Internationally, we know what's happening. That will continue. That will continue for a long time. And you'll see more and more countries hop on board. Everyone wants convenience when they travel. And if you tell me, hey, if you do this and get this on your phone, you'll avoid quarantine, you'll avoid a test upon arrival, or you'll maybe even have to forego a test. Like Hawaii, who's been most aggressive in the U.S. state regarding the testing requirements, and you'll know that when you go there in May. Each island has their own testing requirements. Imagine going island to island without being in conflict with these different things. And, And that's the incentive for the traveler. And it's just a matter of, it doesn't matter if one state requires or one state doesn't. It matters what's your end destination. I believe Texas and Florida are afraid because they've the rumors been out there about it's spilling over to restaurants, it's spilling over to theme parks, it's spilling over to everything, which are private property. And I believe they're preempting that growing from beyond travel because they know they can't control travel outside their borders. So I wouldn't take that too crazy with happening. They also want to say, hey, we're doing our best to keep our, our travel economy back on a foot. What we are going to see is, is as this snowballs, the U.S. 
has to hop on board from an international perspective of providing our people here the proper documents to go abroad and to make it quickly readable when people arrive here, international and national. Because right now, our CDC already said you don't have to quarantine when you return. You're not going to need a test when you return from international travel. But how do you prove that? That's, that's the key. Exactly. Yeah. The CDC a couple of weeks ago saying that, you know, updating the uh, travel guidelines and their recommendations for vaccinated travelers. And I think that opens up to, to the, you know, how does that play in for when people come to visit here and how is that going to change the testing rules? And when are we going to get away from needing a negative test to arrive back into the States? How long is that going to be a rule now? There's still a lot of unanswered questions with a lot of things. We do know that the Biden administration said that they would not issue uh, vaccine passports. They're not going to make it a federal mandate to require everyone to obtain uh, a vaccine. Um, and I think that's the right call. But if there, you know, once you get into you know expectations around international travel and you're going to have to set, it does seem like you're going to have to kind of set something there and some sort of rule in place uh, for, for people to come visit here and come through our borders, whether that's by air or land or, you know, maybe sea eventually when we don't know what's going to happen with cruising and everything there. But um, yeah, I think it's a lot to, to take in and, and I, I'm with you all the way that there needs to be some sort of uniform thing. And, and it's all about convenience and what can you, what can be easy for the traveler to just kind of have something in their hand and let me go where I want to go without restrictions, without quarantine, without any of these rules that we've had to just, you know, ha- have had to, deal with over the last year for health and safety reasons. But once we get out of that and once we're, you know, in the clear was, as the CDC says, we're in the clear, once you're vaccinated, you just um, still, they still recommend that you do wear a mask while you travel. But once you're fully vaccinated um, weeks after that, you're good to go. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to Cancun at the end of this month, I'll be fully vaccinated. Looking forward to that for the world travel and tourism council's uh, global summit event uh, in Cancun. And I'm excited to see, kind of what an event space is like. And I do hope that the the um, the theme of that event is kind of unifying the world together again in recovery. And I'm very intrigued to uh, ask around to the WTTC about vaccine passports and get their updated thoughts on all that. Sure. I mean, I look forward to your feedback from that event. I'm holding in my hand from my desk here, a yellow fever passport. I had to get, a, I had to, get to one safari. It has all my inoculations in it. And it is my vaccine passport. Guess how long I've had that yellow fever passport? 10, 20 years? 2006. You're right on on the point. The precedent is there, but that was to go on so far. So there's a significant sense. But I had to get all inoculated with all these shots. And now all the shots, even my flu shot I have in there. When I get my vaccine for COVID, it'll be in there too. These things are already out there. And this is a paper version. Obviously, it's 2006. The issue is people are now having to experience it for just normal forms of travel, which used to be very just quick and seamless. But I heard some good news, which I've heard also on Travel Pulse, that agencies like Clear may get involved in this. I'm a member of Clear because I can't get TSA pre-check right now because I can't finish my interview, which is an ongoing problem for international travel. If Clear gets involved in this and other agencies similar get involved in this, that changes the game for Americans who are frequent travelers and that makes the vaccine, vaccination passport, whatever you want to call it, much more appealing because something they already use is administering it. Yeah, that would be key for a lot of people if they're already using it to be able to just kind of seamlessly sure. roll through. Um, and yeah, it's, it's all about the seamless process. So, you know, it's 2021 now. Everything is so convenient and easy and so much in our pocket with our cell phones and 
um, and the smartphones should, I guess, I guess I should say, uh, I still say the word cell phone and I still think like a flip phone sometimes. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's a lot to take in, uh, listeners out there. I would love to know what you think podcast at travelpulse.com. Let me know your thoughts on the vaccine passport, David. Thank you so much for jumping on the show today. Any final closing thoughts, um, you'd like to state out to our listeners? Oh, sure. I, where to find my show. It's a fantastic endeavors. YouTube channel is the enjoy the journey travel show. There's a playlist there for the, so check out the past episodes, check out Eric's appearance last month on our, our cruise industry update, which was a fantastic appearance by Eric. And I just love travel and I appreciate Eric and the whole travel pulse team for what they do. Thanks so much, David. I really appreciate that. Really com- appreciate you coming on. So that's uh, David Hartman, luxury travel advisor, the fantastic endeavors. Be sure to check out his stuff over on YouTube. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to David for jumping on the show today. Had a blast talking all things travel. If you'd like to be on the show or you have any feedback or comments about today's show or any show ever, hit us up. Podcast at travelpulse.com is the email. And I've said it a bunch on this email on this show already. But hey, if you got something to say, that's where you can drop a line. And if you've enjoyed the show or you have any thoughts about it, leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. It'd be greatly appreciated. So thanks and have a great week, everyone. <laughs>